Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello, welcome back for another episode of Old Time Crime Gals. It's Melissa here with Shannon. We're back. This is episode 31. And we're going to talk about Jesse, Jack Jesse. Yes. And I'm going to talk about it this time. She almost did what I did when I was reading it. I almost turned it around. Well, Jack Jack Jesse. And so this takes us, we're going back to Orange County, California. So Jack Jesse, he's been through a lot. He's suffered through cancer twice. So he doesn't take anything for granted. And he's trying to enjoy his life with his wife. Sandra of nearly 15 years and he's just trying his best to fight off colon cancer, but things just don't work out too good for him, Mm. which usually it never does when cancer is involved anyway. Um, But let's go back a little bit to the eighties. Jack Jesse, he's a smart mechanical engineering manager for an international electronics company. Okay. That sounds impressive. Yes. A mouthful. Yes. So he met Sandra at work. And so during that time, both of them were divorced and had children from previous marriages. And so they hit it off and they got married in 1994. I do know this is her third marriage. I think it's only his second, but it was mentioned that it was her third marriage. We don't know anything about it. Okay. Had to Um, ask. Yeah, had to (laughs) ask. So Jack, he's very devoted to his children, to Sandra's children, which are now his stepchildren. And, you know, eventually becomes a devoted grandfather. And just the mixed family, they blended well. They would often do things together. They'd go hike. They'd go bowling. They'd have game nights. It's just he was completely fine. Sandra ends up quitting work to take care of the house and let that that run smoothly with the kids. And just everything was going great. Wow. He sounds like a great guy. But eventually, things start to change. So Sandra, she's very close to her youngest child, Tom. Which we are babies of the family. Right. You tend to gravitate towards um towards them i don't know but reading hers it seems a little like maybe well, well, a little healthy a little, yeah yeah a little bit weird like you know I, possibly yeah. y'all y'all can y'all can decide after <laughs> she tells you okay but so Sandra's very close to her youngest child tom you know he's the baby of her family and he comes home all night and he's excited he has good news he's been offered a new job don't know what he did. Don't know what the new job was. That's oh, not the point. Okay. I knew you were going to ask. Uh, the point was, this is a, puts him in a better situation, maybe for more pay, different, you know, up in his career field. So it's in Arizona. And they're in California. Right. Okay. They're in California. So he would have to move. And so Jack, he's like, hey, this is a good, you know, congratulations, man. This is great. New yes. job, new money, you know, go out on your own. This, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. You should right. go up and you leave the house. Sandra was not too happy. She did not view it as a good thing at all because she wanted her baby home. Right. And he's moving to another state Mm -hmm. and the apron strings probably don't (laughs) go that far. So she just gets, she takes it really hard. So once Tom moves away to Arizona and he's in his new job and he's got a new life, he, it, it just makes her depressed. So she starts to drink. She smokes. She just pushes Jack away. She just can't do anything else in her life becomes Hard to function because her son is in a different state. So that's where I think is it's very unhealthy because yes. for you to go downhill that way, <laughs> I don't know. there had to be some 
I don't know, smoking and drinking possibly going on beforehand just to start that. Well, but. probably, but but Jack is telling his friends that he's worried about Tom's move is like pushing her towards a nervous breakdown. Gotcha. Which sounds that way yeah. if you are drinking and you're smoking and you can't think about anything else and you're you're just a mess because your son moved away. I mean, I mean there are children other can, children. Right, I was wondering. <laughs> and there's there grandchildren. Are, there's gran- yeah, I mean, it's consuming her to the point of she can't focus on anybody else in her family. Mm-hmm. So her, you know, that she just one day wakes up and she's in a good mood and she's excited and she tells Jack that she has a wonderful idea that's going to just make everything great again. Awesome. She wants to move to Arizona. Oh, how did I guess? Yeah, she wants to be closer to her son, Tom. Okay. Well, Jack doesn't think that's a good idea either. Leave for leave all the other families. Yeah, for, he says no, because yeah. all of his children, because remember, they're a blended family. So right. his children, his grandchildren, his job, that's all here in California. And he does love Sandra, but no, he's not willing to uproot and relocate to Arizona. That's a big thing. Yeah, so... Again, she's not so happy about that answer. <laughs> her plane so, crashed so, Yep, so her mood, you know, goes back down. And then they get another blow. So Jack gets diagnosed with colon cancer. Okay. And so this could not have come at a worse time because, unfortunately, his mother has just passed of colon cancer. Oh, wow. And so to have that happen and be like, hey, we're going to diagnose you with the exact same thing that you just watched, you know, your mother go through mm. could not have been easy. At all. And so it was recommended that he have surgery and he would be in recovery for a long time. So they weren't quite sure if the surgery was going to be successful to remove everything. They couldn't guarantee that, you know, everything would be back to normal. But at least he's got his family to lean on and help him out because they're all in California except for Tom. (laughs) So his cancer, it does advance and he's, you know, considered terminal. So eventually it will be the end of him. Um, but someone decided to take it first, take oh, his okay. life first. So August 13th, 1998. So we were in Orange County. It's 9:30 PM. A 911 call is placed at the home of Jack Jesse. It's his daughter, Cheryl calling saying that her father has been murdered. So once the authorities arrive on the scene, it's just gruesome furniture's tipped over. There's blood everywhere. Jack's laying on the floor. Cheryl is also covered in blood herself. And she's Jack's daughter from her previous marriage. Okay. Um, So her story was that Jack called her to come over because he was worried about Sandra. Right. She went out to go pick up dinner, and it had been a long time, and she wasn't back yet. Okay. So he was just like, hey, I'm just worried about her. Can you come check and see what's going on? He really cared for her. Mm Mm-hmm. So Cheryl drives around to the local mall and see if she could just find out, like, she must be shopping. She's... So she could find her just to, you know, let him know that she's okay. And so she drives around for about 15 minutes and she didn't see her. So she goes back to the house to see if she had come home in that, in that time. And she just missed her. And when she gets there, she finds him on the floor bleeding to death. So Mm. she tried to administer CPR, which is why she explains she has blood all over her because she was trying to um, resuscitate him, but it was unsuccessful. Mm. So that happened around like 930, 945. So then Sandra makes her way back home at 10 and she gets home and the house is surrounded by first responders, police, fire, you know, firefighters. And just, she's devastated. She's fallen all out on the floor. Husband Jack's dead, stabbed to death. 
you know, he's already dying from cancer, so they kept, were kind of expecting that, but not suddenly out of nowhere. Um, there was no sign of forced entry, so one of the doors in the back must have been unlocked. The medical examiner determines that Jack had been stabbed a total of four times in his upper chest and neck. And the authorities believe that it was not a random act, that he was targeted for some reason. Like, nothing was stolen, nothing was missing. Um, they couldn't find a murder weapon. There was no fingerprints. It just looked like that was someone came in to kill him and leave again. So they And in that window of time that he yeah. calls his daughter and his wife gets back. and Yeah. Yeah. Things a little... A little fishy. Yeah, just a little bit. Poor guy was going to die. Uh, yeah. Oh. So, so there's no so immediate... That, huh? Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I, really, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> there was nothing coming out. So no immediate suspects is yeah. what you were going to say. I was, yeah. So they just they just didn't have anybody to pull from off off the top to, to say, you know, this is who could have done it. So homicides, you know, they usually are started from the victim out. So they begin with the family and who's the closest people. This time they started with Cheryl because she was the one who was actually at the crime scene when they got there. And, you know, she was found kneeling over him and she was covered in blood. And you know, she has her own family to take care of. So she said she was worried about her dad after his cancer diagnosis. But they often look at, you know, financial gain, life right. insurance policies and stuff like that. Who's going to benefit so they need to look at her and see if she's going to benefit in any way from her father's death. And, and because, I mean, he didn't really have enemies outside of, you know, mm. so he didn't really have any enemies. Then you come to the wife. So whenever there's a homicide, we always talk about it. The wife or the husband is always on the list until you can be taken off. You're on the list. Well, and I was wondering, too, because this was in 98, cell phones were out because I got my first one in 1996. Oh. Yeah. So my age. <laughs> Um, I don't know when they came out. Well, I mean, I remember my mom's first one though was like, you know, Stay by the Bell was like the big, the big brick. Yes, yes. Well, mine was a bag phone. A, ba a, a bag phone. It was just a bigger one, kind of like what you're talking about, except it was in a bag. So <laughs> I think it was like probably your mom's in a bag. Um, so it was like the car phone that you have to plug into into your car to work, or yeah, I mean, we had to plug yeah. it into the car, so there was no. Battery. Walking around wire, oh, wire, no, no, no. Okay. It was not wireless. That no, she's no. showing her age. I am. <laughs> it was not wireless, and so you had to have plugged it into your. And I don't think it worked. It had to work though, without the car being on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know how things work, you guys. So like, we're using computers. That's part of that right? concussion still spinning around. <laughs> well, we'll we'll say that's what it is. <laughs> But no, I was just thinking if she had been depressed and he was worried about her back then, cell phones were around. And especially in California, doesn't everything like advancing is yeah, making if you live in California, send us a message that everything advances <laughs> out there, you know, because they think about people on the East Coast being behind or whatever. But yeah, and um, I don't know. I was just thinking about when I was reading through this cell phone. So yeah, I, guess I don't know no cell phone, but anyway, um, but yeah, so they look at the wife and I, I just, I, yeah, I just remember that big hunk of cell phone. You didn't need to plug it into the car, but it was like huge and you couldn't really carry it anywhere. I know that must have been before the bag phone because the bag <sighs> phone wasn't as big, but you did have to, so you had to sit it in a little holder and it had to fit in there like click or it wouldn't charge, but then it had a little coil. I have to look that up. <laughs> 
That was my first. During the break, we'll look at that. And, and me and my husband both got one, and they were $30 monthly. <laughs> for two. And now people pay like 98 or whatever for unlimited data. Okay, so. all you out there, I'm sure. Pay, somebody told me the other day they paid about $1,000 for their phone. Hold up. Oh, for the phone? Yeah. I believe it if they buy like the newest and greatest that's out and you don't want it used or whatever. Okay. Well, just, I will never do that. Well, just so everybody knows. If I, that's I, a I house got a, payment. Yeah. And there's a lot of things I could get for $1,000. So yeah so yeah i mean yeah. i can't do that but anyway all right go ahead for so those she who choose home. to not judging you but go on with your thousand dollar phone because that's not me but anyway. oh yeah i'm not judging you <laughs> i just can think of a lot of things that's i can get for a thousand dollars all right so this um Where are we at? mom yeah they were checking out jack's wife oh, sandra yes. as another suspect so next it's customary that the spouse is always looked at so if that happens to you, whether natural or not, you're going to get asked some questions. That's just how it works. Right. Um, so they know they've been some bad vibes during the marriage after Jack refused to move out to Arizona. So that, you know, then they got the cancer diagnosis that's putting a strain on the marriage because he requires, you know, help at home. He's recovering from these surgeries. And it was found out that during the process of learning how much help he would actually need, she was just disgusted. Um, so much that the nurse on duty felt it necessary to write in her notes that when Sandra like refused to look at the um, colostomy bag and had no interest in learning how that it was going to have to be emptied and cared for and changed and that she just like thought it was absolutely disgusting. Mm. And of course that, you know, doesn't make her come off. He's the most loving, willing to do anything for you, including, you know, change your colostomy bag type of wife. But just because she's, Squeamish and doesn't like that stuff. Right. Doesn't necessarily label her as a murderer, right? Per se, I'm squeamish towards some of that stuff, oh, yeah. and I am not the one. Nurses are a special breed of people, and yes. we love you. I could not do that, right? And she had an alibi. Yeah, she went. She went shopping. But here's my thing. Okay, she's obviously she married and she loved him, and he sounds like he'd been. Well, they've been married husband. for 15 years. But Tom is must not be his son. <laughs> no, Tom is her son. Right. So you tell a mother who's already had a, you know, this is her third marriage, and you're coming in between her and her son that she's had, you know, through thick and thin with everybody. And, you know, you, sometimes it's not for better or for worse, especially, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, by that time, she's just like, I want to live, go live out where my son lives. I got to take care of this man. Unfortunately, he's sick. And it's just sad. I mean, he seemed like a, according to what we're reading, the nice guy. <laughs> so, okay. I didn't know him, but, <laughs> um, so yeah. So she just didn't want to do, take care of him. Well, that mid afternoon is when she told Jack that she's going out shopping. She's going to pick up dinner. So while she's out, she stops at the bank. And that's why she's late getting home on August 13th. And she even has receipts and stuff to back up her story. So that's her alibi. She okay. was out shopping and she can prove it. Okay. So Cheryl, you know, Cheryl backed up her story of what happened. This is what Sandra says happened. So now another suspect is Sandra's son, Tom. Okay. And Tom is a mama's boy. And that is how he describes himself. Okay. Because we see how this relationship is. Gotcha. Um, he knows that Jack is the only thing preventing his mom from coming out to Arizona and living with him. So, if he dies, his mom inherits all the money so that she can come sell the house and move out to Arizona. And plus, she's close, 
So she he would be able to financially lean on her if he had to because you know, some mama's boys she takes care of them. Right. And so he had the most to gain in financially or emotionally if yeah. something were to happen to Jack, who was not his dad, just his stepdad. Right. So that was the authorities' theory. But when they checked it out, Tom was actually in Arizona and he's like shocked and heard the loss of his stepfather once he found out and he could not have committed this crime himself. Right. So each member of the family is questioned, but all of them have solid alibis and they're not looking like they could be responsible at all. So then there's almost no physical evidence. Remember, no murder weapon, no fingerprints, no force entry, right. DNA, nothing. And so they, the case just goes cold. So everyone kind of seems to move on with their life. But there's one person that is persistent and keeps in touch with authorities working the case. That's Jack's brother, David. He tells the police, don't give up. So there's always a good someone in the family keeping, keeping contact, you know, keeping the case alive. So three years goes by. So now we're in, what year are we in? 98. 98. Like 2001. Okay. So a tip comes in, and it's called in by a bartender at a local bar. So he says he overheard a customer bragging about he helped plan and carry out the murder of Jack Jesse. Must have been enjoying a few, a few drinks. Right. <laughs> But then I can't figure out why there's not a gap between, there's a gap when that happened and when the next thing happens. Yeah. So three years after the crime, this tip is called in. Okay. But seven years after the murder, during a like routine review of cold cases where they pull all the evidence out and like just happen to glance at it and see if something new pops out at them is when the stuff gets reviewed again. Okay. And so they pull this piece of paper out of a purse and it was in an evidence bag, and it has two words written on it. So this one piece of paper, it was overlooked in the original investigation, ends up being critical to solving who did it. Oh, my goodness. Just a scrap of paper. It was in Sandra Jesse's purse, and it had the name Brett Schrauben written on it. Okay, so that blows my mind. Because if you see something with two names. And a name. Yeah. Why wouldn't you like, who is this person? Yeah. Why is it written on a torn piece of paper in a purse? Why? Mm -hmm. Uh, completely overlooked oh my goodness that would drive me nuts yep so uh, we'll find out what happens with that piece of paper in just a minute oh. all right <laughs> sorry i will too if you heard that we're barely both gonna sleep good tonight it's been a long day uh, but we're back from our break and we were talking about that little piece of paper that was yes. found in sandra's purse with a name written on it yes so now they have to figure out who's this person. Like, what does he have to do with the case? Like, who, you know, and how they miss where? this? <laughs> but then they remember about that phone call that came in years earlier about that dude at a bar that was bragging about, you know, putting this thing together. So then they were like, well, maybe this is him. Maybe somebody had put two and two together, and this was the hitman that they were looking for. So they decided to do a search for him. So they look up his name, and they find out that he's a former co-worker and friend to none other than Sandra's son, Tom. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, so now they have the board in the office that I envision on all those TV shows where they have a picture of all three and this little red string that connects all of them together. <laughs> so they now they have to prove it. So they, they don't know how exactly it happened, but they're pretty sure that all three of these people are linked. 
right. to Jack Jesse. And so this is really cool. Then they get sneaky. I kind of like this idea. Yeah. So they, they have to figure out a way to, to make the connection between the three individuals in question. So they develop sort of a trap. Okay. So they put each person separately under surveillance. Okay. And then they wiretap their phones. So now they're watching them and they're listening. So then they send out a newspaper clipping about the murder and they mail it to all three of them. It's like they get this ah. mystery piece of in the mail and it's about the murder. They were sweating. And so all they have to do now is just sit back and watch, wait, listen, see what happens. Well, they didn't have to wait long. Sandra immediately calls Tom about it, and Tom calls Brett. So now they're ding, ding, ding. They're all connected somehow. It's time to bring Brett in and ask him some questions. But Brett, he's kind of smart. So once he comes in and he knows that they're on to everything, he's like, yep, I'll tell you everything you need to know. So he makes a plea to avoid a murder charge, even though he's the one who probably actually committed the murder. Because remember, Sandra was shopping and Tom's in Arizona, right. so you got yeah. this guy. So he, you know, spills the tea about how everything went down. He writes out Tom and Sandra wow. and tells them exactly what happened. So basically, Sandra and Tom had a problem. Yes. Jack was already dying. He just wasn't dying fast enough for him. They wanted him gone before the cancer treatments ate up all his money. Ah, and the inheritance would be smaller. Small, yes. Um, he also had life insurance that would pay out. So in June of 1998, so this was, it happened in August. This was two months before. Okay. Brett meets with Sandra in a parking lot. Okay. She gives him $5,000 and tells him he'll get $45,000 more after it's done. Okay. Well, yeah, so, so then he, he had to be the one. Now, the, the way it went down is so she planned to go shopping. She would leave a door unlocked. She would call Brett and say, I'm, you know, I'm heading out to the mall. And that was his cue to go in, make it look like a robbery. Right. Steal his coin collection. Okay. To make, to make the authorities think it was a robbery. Got it. And then head on. So they agreed on a date. Brett went to the house. He got the phone call. He went to the house. He opened the door, but decided not to do it. So oh. he locks the door. Okay. He locks the door and leaves. Okay. So when Sandra gets home from shopping, she opens the door and is like, huh, because he's still sitting on the couch. Oh, wow. So okay. it didn't happen. Okay. The first time. Got it. So then Tom calls Brett again and says, look, we paid you 5000 if you want your $45,000, you're just going to have to do it. Like, you need to finish it. So, then August 13th okay. is this next time that they plan to do okay. it. Okay. And this is when he goes through with it. Got it. So, Tom and Sandra were both arrested in Arizona and taken back to California for a trial. And it's kind of complicated. There, there's no physical evidence. Both of them had alibis. It had been 11 years. There's really not much they can go on. Right. But they can lay heavily into the motive for financial gain because since his passing, they, they pretty much went over everything they had bought um, with the money. So Brett bought himself some new furniture, a new Ford pickup truck, a jet ski, so about $50,000 worth of stuff. Right. And Sandra, on the other hand, she went through like half a million dollars in just wow. three years. That's a lot of money. So she buys a house. In okay. Arizona near Tom. Okay. And because Tom is her, her mama's boy, she buys him a house. Okay. She buys him a truck. 
And a brand new boat. So he gets a two trucks, a jet ski, and a boat. Not two trucks. Brett was the first person that got the truck. Oh, Brett was. Brett got him a truck. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. But gotcha. he gets a new house, a truck, and a boat. I see. Okay. Mixed up the names there, yeah. guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> so everything was paid for by Jack's insurance policy and his retirement and his inheritance. That oh, he had man. But the jury was actually deadlocked and Sandra was acquitted. How does that happen? I have no idea. Because if I was on that jury, well, you can't make somebody right change right. their opinion. But it was 11 to 1. That one person oh my that was like probably thinking in her mind he was already dying anyway. Like, Yeah. Oh, my gracious. But, uh, still, they killed this man. Yes. Oh. <sighs> But so that was acquitted. She was acquitted. She was acquitted. But she was arrested again and retried in 2011 because a new witness was working for the prosecution. Her baby son, Tom, who she did everything for, decided to switch gears and testify against his mom. He sold her out. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. So to reduce his sentence, Tom turns against her. Oh, my gracious. Jack's brother also takes the stand, David, and he remembers a time a few months before Jack's death where his brother told him, if anything happens to me, it was Sandra. Oh, my goodness. So, now the jury reached a clear verdict, and all of them were in agreement that she was guilty. So, December 7, 2011, Sandra Jesse was found guilty of first-degree murder. And this is just the awful part. So, during Jack's autopsy... The ME, which is medical examiner, discovered that the cancer had progressed so rapidly he was only like a couple of weeks away from death. Oh my goodness. Like if she'd have just guy. waited and just like just yeah. been a decent human being. Right. She could have got her inheritance money, got the life insurance policy. He was going to die anyway. Go move to Arizona with your son. Yeah, that is so sad. And poor Jack had to suffer Ugh. not only with cancer, but stabbing. Oh my gracious. And this is, of course, we always just, I don't understand our justice system sometimes. But, so Brett, the person who actually committed the crime, went in this house and stabbed this dying man to death, he served 515 days in jail. Oh my goodness. For one count of voluntary manslaughter. That's just over a year. That's not even two years. And that was and back then he's in out. the day. And before. then he's done. Oh my goodness. But because he went in there first and said, I'll tell you everything, he yeah. gave him Tom and he gave him Sandra and that reduced his sentence, which is, oh, he's the one who actually took the man's life. But Tom is serving 15 years to life for second degree murder. And Sandra, she sentenced to life in prison without parole plus 15 years for the special um, murder for a financial gain clause that they had charged her with. So she's never getting out. Tom might get out. But yeah. Brent... You know, less than two years on his way. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Going to more bars and talking about how he killed That's Jesse. right. Horrible. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> don't have any idea where Brett is now, do but you? I don't. I don't. Maybe you could Google search him. Hey, Brett, if you're listening, I, no. I just don't understand. I don't either. I don't get I don't. it. No. And then again, those people that just get away with stuff. All the time. It's it can't be a foolproof yeah. system. I get it, but. It's, wor- it's worse now. So, yeah, but at least 10 years or something. I, two, less than yeah, 10, 515 yeah. days. Yeah, days. he probably got out with some good behavior. <gasps> or Did knows. a good job working in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> he folded the clothes nicely. <laughs> tucked the sheets. So, well, guys, we thank you for joining us for the 
story today about yes. Jack, uh, <laughs> Jack Jesse, Jack Jesse, Jack Jesse. That is such a hard thing to say. <laughs> Don't know what his middle name was. Jack Jesse, Jack Jesse. So we hope y'all are going um, have a great rest of your week wherever you are. Yes, we. Um, I got this story from an episode of um, In Plain Sight. So I'll source that on the, the webpage. You can email us if you want to. Oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com. We have a Facebook group, so everything will be posted there along with pictures. And just we hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. And just remember, if you do the crime, it's going to catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it.